just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It is Sunday. We're in the midst of the weekend. News is kind of low-key. Sometimes we have to rehash things from the week before. But we have another big week coming up, so there's plenty to talk about. Don't worry about that. We'll fill out this podcast. And we have a bunch of emails as well. Um By the time you hear this podcast, there's an excellent chance that I will no longer be in Minnesota. I will be in Burlington, Vermont. And you're probably saying to yourself, why the fuck are you going to Burlington, Vermont? Well, that's a good question. I think I talked about this before. My wife and I got married on October 14th, 1983. We just celebrated our 39th wedding anniversary. And I thank all the uh, best wishes that all of you sent. And normally, uh, people would go to Hawaii or or Florida on their honeymoon, but we didn't have any money. So what we did instead is drove to Bayfield, Wisconsin, which is right on Lake Superior. And it's got a very New England feel to it. It's a very small town, not a lot happening in it, but it's beautiful. And by the time we got up there around October 15th and 83, it was past peak. So the hotels and everything was cheaper. It just worked out that way. We didn't plan it that way. But we would always go to Bayfield. We've been to Bayfield almost every year since we got married. Well, now my wife works for an airline, and we can fly other places. And since Bayfield in the fall was very beautiful and had a New England feel, we thought, what the fuck? We'll just go right to New England. We'll actually go to New England. And it just so happens the uh, airline she works for goes to Burlington, Vermont. So... Hence, we're going to Burlington, Vermont. Never been there before. Never been to Vermont. I'm sure it's absolutely adorable and beautiful. Can't wait to get there. And, of course, we'll be doing podcasts from Burlington, Vermont. Now, the interesting thing is Burlington is the home of Bernie Sanders. And since Bernie and I are on the same page on many levels, maybe we'll connect up. Maybe we'll have dinner. Maybe we'll party after I know Bernie's kind of a wild man, so I don't think I could keep up with him. Or I won't see him at all. And if I do see him, he won't talk to me. That's more likely than anything else. But it's kind of cool to go to Burlington, Vermont. If I get a chance to see Bernie, I'll maybe wave or whatever. But it should be interesting. Now, on this show, we're starting out with a lot of emails. I've got a number of emails, some of them long. And some of them critical of me, which is fine. I have no problem with that. Um, I'm one of those weird guys. You know, everybody in the world is really touchy about being confrontational or getting into confrontations. And that's where bullies win, you know. And I'm not suggesting these emailers are being bullies. They're not. Uh, But that's how bullies win. People hate confrontation. And so they just give up and let them roll over the top of them. That's not me. I don't mind good confrontation now and then. In fact, I kind of enjoy it, especially if I know what the fuck I'm talking about. 
That said, if somebody has a criticism of me and they are right, I will acknowledge that. I can be wrong. My wife points it out daily. My kids point it out daily. Many of my friends point it out daily. So I've learned to accept it and deal with it when I'm wrong and change my ways if I'm wrong. But if I'm not, I'm not fucking giving up. So this first one comes from, this first email comes from a gentleman by the name of Elvin. I don't know that he ever wrote before, but he has a fairly lengthy email because he also sent a letter that he sent to um, Bill Maher, you know, the guy on TV. We'll talk more about that in a second. Well, Elvin says, I love your podcast. I found you on TikTok. And used to watch you there before I quit. I was addicted. I had to walk away. Way to go, Elvin. It's one day at a time. Take those 12 steps and just walk away. Be strong. I would enjoy being on your podcast sometime. I'm a little nervous, but I think we'd have a lot to talk about. Done deal. Send me the email. Tell me when you're ready. We'll connect it up and you're on the show. You don't have to audition or anything like that. If you're a listener of the show, you're in, man. Just send me the email when you're ready, and uh, I'll put you on. It would probably be better after I get back from Vermont, though. It would be easier for me to do a guest at home here as opposed to on the road. He goes on to say, I hope you don't mind, but I wrote a letter to Bill Maher after his last episode of Real Time, and I wanted to include it here. Well, if you send me the shit, I'm going to read it. Bill Maher, please shut the fuck up about masks. I get it. You're tired of covering your COVID hole. But masks can be used for many different things. I wear one while cutting the grass due to a severe grass allergy. I also wear one while I'm in a densely populated spaces. I'm comforted by the additional protection it provides, and I haven't gotten six in three years. I get that, man. When we were wearing the masks, I always get colds in the winter. The period of time we were wearing the mask all the time, not one fucking cold. He goes on to say, I've always been a sickly person all of my life for as long as I can remember. Every winter I would get a severe case of bronchitis. I've had bronchitis. That shit sucks. I'd lose a week of school. I didn't give a fuck or a week of work. I had to give a fuck. I was told bronchitis was the smoker's disease. I grew up in a working-class household with a father who smoked multiple packs of cigarettes a day, so I never questioned the idea that bronchitis was a smoker's disease since my dad smoked in the house. After I moved out, I would still get bronchitis at least once a winter. I had uh, started smoking as well, so I continued to think it was the reason I'd get sick. Now, I haven't had bronchitis since 2018. I haven't had a cold since 2018. I'll be wearing masks until the day I die if I'm going into populated places. You have the right to express your opinion, but I wish you would do it more responsibly. You give maggots, I love Trumplifux, that's my word, ammunition against those of us who benefit greatly from wearing a mask. I enjoy wearing a mask for the added benefit of signaling to people here in deep red Missouri that I didn't vote for the child of an orangutan for a president. My son tells me I should stop watching your show because it pisses me off so much. 
the fact is you're still the most balanced political platform on TV, so I'll continue to watch. He's talking about the TikToks, of course. Now, wait a minute, man. You said you'll continue to watch, but you just told me a quit TikTok. Are you falling off the wagon here, pal? You got to be careful. You and I used to agree a lot more than we do now. You seem much less tolerant of quirks. Your anti-woke stance is exactly what the conservative corporate machine wants. Oh, okay. I, I'm sorry. I fucked up. He's talking about Mar, not me. It's all about Mike, isn't it? They want you to get pissed off about trans women kicking ass in women's sports. Really, who gives a fuck? They want you to be pissed off that a trans woman with huge, I'm not going to say that word, breasts, is given the right to teach kids. Who the fuck cares if she's actually teaching? You're ranting about silly shit. On your TV show, when the reason conservatives do it is to divert maggots from the fact that Republicans have nothing for working class who are easily frightened and very gullible. It's three-card Monty. It's a con. Why do you think you're hearing about schools installing litter boxes in bathrooms? It's not because Rachel Maddow is celebrating the public school system's tolerance of furries. It's because fucker Carlsbad is conflating the story of one kid who goes to a private school in Australia that wanted to be nonverbal because she identified as a cat. One kid. But hey, Joe Rogan just brought it up in his interview with Tulsi Gabbard, even made it a personal anecdote that someone he knew, a teacher, said they installed a litter box in a girl's bathroom. Now see, that's been exploded. That's just fucking stupid. He goes on to say it's bullshit and you're falling for it. The irony of Democrats being tarred with the woke brush is that young people are all woke. All three of my kids are woke. I'm woke. Democrats are the future, and my kids know it. It's unfair that someone who grew up as a man goes into a swimming tournament and wins against all the people who were born with a vagina. Of course. Is it something that should divert you, Bill Maher, a left-leaning pundit from your left-leaning mission of exposing conservatives for what they are? Conservatives are... Uh, plutocrat fuckers, and you used to be good exposing that, but you're getting sucked in. Wake up. Thanks for your content, and if you read my letter to Bill Maher, thanks for that as well. That last line was for me. I got caught up in that fucking, on that fucking letter. I, I, I'm not paying attention. I'm reading this. I'm going, what are you saying to me? <laughs> He's talking to Bill Maher. What the fuck? Yeah, Bill Maher is like a lot of people on TV whether they be left side, right side, whatever, they only do what's going to get attention, what's going to get ratings so they can get money. You have to take anything you see on TV with a grain of salt because, well, it's not necessarily true. It's just uh, it's just a carrot they're putting out there and hoping you grab it and pay attention to them. I used to be, I used to kind of like Bill Maher, and then... I don't like him because he's an arrogant, self-centered fuck. He can talk Democrat. He can talk Republican. I just don't like the guy as a human. I can read his face and the way he talks and the way he moves. He thinks he's the shit. (laughs) He's not. He's fucking not. All right, let's go to, this is actually two short emails from a gentleman by the name of Christian. 
This is, this is what he wrote, wrote to me, and this is one of the criticisms. Please consider the amount of time you spend just reading the Internet to your viewers. Recently, I've had to stop and just abandon episodes because it's just you literally reading entire articles for a half an hour. It's boring. I like to hear your take on issues and just listen to you riff. I can read articles myself much, much more efficiently. Thanks for what you do, Christian. And I said, Christian, okay, great. I'll put that on the show and I will address it. And this is how he responded. Great. I'm expecting you to tell me to fuck off, but I still listen to your show as you're an important voice. (laughs) One more thing. I actually enjoy hearing you have a refreshing drink of water. It reminds me to stay hydrated. Okay. There he's fucking with Aaron. He's trying to fuck with me. Uh, But then he gives me a compliment. So what does that mean? Christian, if you're thinking I'm going to tell you to fuck off, that's not what's going to happen here. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to clarify some things for you. Here's what you have to understand, Christian. I do a show for an hour every day. And I do pull up stories. I don't read whole stories. What I do is take a paragraph or two where the facts are. I'm 62 years old. I don't remember all the fucking numbers. I don't remember all the facts. I get my bo- the ball rolling by knowing what the facts are, and then I take off on it in my own personal riffs. Now, if you get the impression that I'm just reading, that's fine. If you don't like it, don't fucking listen. I don't care. doesn't matter. But you have to understand, try this one time. Go sit down in a chair and try to talk for a fucking hour straight just off the top of your head not fucking easy. I mean, I can do it, but it isn't going to be very compelling and it's not going to be very organized. So I need those stories in front of me so I know what to talk about. If you hear me talking about things, I'm constantly making comments. I will read, like I say, a paragraph or so, maybe two paragraphs just to get the facts. And once the facts are laid out, so you know what I'm talking about, then we go off on a tangent. Christian, you want to listen, we're glad to have you. You want to not listen, I don't fucking care. But I tell you what, Christian, I've got a, um, I've got a, a challenge for you. I've always said uh, when I have a guest on, it's easier for me because I only really have to take up half the slack. The guest will take up the other half. So why don't you send me an email? Come on the show and show me how it's done. Show me how it's done. I'll let you talk as much as you want. And it'll be a good conversation. You seem like an intelligent guy. You like me, but you don't like me. You don't like what I do. But here's the one thing you have to understand, Christian. I'm 62 years old. I've done a lot of stuff in radio. And over those years in radio, I have had people constantly tell me what I should and shouldn't do. And you know what? I never listened to any of them. Never, ever listened to any of them. And I pissed off a lot of people. But I continued to do it because the audience liked what they were getting. So I was left alone. I appreciate the criticism. I don't think you quite understand what it is I'm doing. I think you're making a little bit of an exaggeration. Uh, but that, you know, that's fine. I don't care. Um, point taken. I'll take a note to it. Let me ask you this, though, Christian. I spent the first half of this show reading. I am read well, first 15 minutes of the show, reading. But I'm reading emails. 
Do you want me to riff on the emails or do you want me to read exactly what they're saying? Sorry, I can't just riff on it. I want people to get their point across. I want them to be able to say what they want to say. Now, in terms of how I do the show, as I say, I will read a paragraph or something just so I can set it up so I can talk about it. So people understand where I'm going with this and they understand the facts as I understand the facts because I can talk shit about anything. But if you don't know what I'm talking about, then we're all fucked. So anyway, Christian, I have uh, no problem with the criticism point taken and uh, we'll move on. All right, this next one, okay, (laughs) this next one you're going to love because this one is setting up a potentially great show, and it's coming up. Remember when I had the show with Brian Wallenberg, the Trump humper, the Trump LaFuck? That went pretty well, and actually of all the shows I've ever done, that one has the most listens. People like that kind of thing. Well, I did a live the other day, and of course I did the podcast, basically the audio of the live. And I kept getting the trolls coming in saying, you didn't say this, you won't talk to me about this. And I said, no, I'm not going to debate you here, because then you'll run away and cry to uh, TikTok and they'll take me down. So there's no winning that one. I said, however, if any of you have courage enough, send me an email, I'll put you on the show, and you can... You can give me what for. You can teach me a lesson. And of course, rarely, I mean, never do I get anybody to take me up on this. But I got one guy. And when I first saw the email, I wasn't sure if he was a Trump humper or kind of in between or what. I still don't know. So I'm going to read the emails he sent to me. I'm not going to give him shit at all because I'm going to give him an opportunity to be on the show. Now, there was a possibility that he was going to be on this show, and I was pretty excited about that. But then he said, I'm going to have to do it tomorrow. Okay, cool. But I'm going to be on a plane going to Vermont tomorrow. I can't do that. I said, how about when I get back? I'll be back on Thursday. We can do it Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Any day after that, we can do that. And he said, that's cool. So he's going to be back. And this is the email, actually two emails that he wrote me. I'm not even going to comment about it. I'm just going to let you hear it. And then when he comes on the show, we can engage on the argument or the debate that we would have. Okay, here we go. This is a gentleman by the name of Mark. He says, I view the Democrats and Republicans as essentially a single party. But a two-party system is the hand that the American public has been dealt, and I don't consider myself wise enough to propose an alternative. A parliamentary system such as Canada seems even more predisposed to trample individual rights and liberties than anything we're dealing with. You should know that I'm abysmally stupid. I don't think that's true. Not stupid, as you may understand the phrase. At 17, my IQ was tested by the Army at around 122, which ain't genius. But rather that I have a great appreciation of the inadequacies of my intellect. I've known a lot of geniuses, absolutely bonafide geniuses. And the quickness of their minds to see clearly just stuns me. One bastard in my federal business taxation class could sleep through the class and still get A's while I struggled to pull a C. Yet being in the Internet exposes you to an absolute plethora of dumbasses. Greed. 
who suffer under the misapprehension that they are God's gift to intellectualism. Now, I say all this as a prelude to my next two questions. You stated that we have a dumpster fire with the Republicans, a dumpster fire that is trying to destroy this country. I have said that. Guilty. He goes on to say, I have no idea what you are seeing. Really? If anything, I consider the Dems with their love affair of wokeism to be a far greater threat to society. Now, okay, now we see. The second is your animosity toward Trump. I've never considered Trump to be a Republican. Um, he was a Democrat and a beloved one at that before he decided to run for president. Um, putting he was a Demo- uh, putting he paid on Hillary Clinton's political ambitions earned him the undying hatred of Democrats. But running as a Republican was simply his only option, given that the Clintons had the Democrats sewn up. But conventional Republicans never saw him as a Republican. I remember Ted Cruz, who since has been totally co-opted, making it very clear that Trump wasn't a true Republican. This is not to say that the Republican Party is now the Trump Party. The Lincoln Project makes that point abundantly clear, but rather that the non-Trump Republicans are for the most part simply keeping their heads down and biding their time. Don't disagree with that. He goes on to say, you're using the phrase rational, but that's really not the vibe you're putting out. Okay. I'm not an armchair psychologist, nor do I believe for one second that the media portrayal of any political figure is in any way, shape, or form unbiased and factual. The terms you use to describe Trump, narcissistic, sociopathic, and pathological liar, can be applied to Clinton, Obama. Biden, and get this one, he says, Pedo Pete, as his son refers to him, is especially repugnant. Who are you talking about? Pete Buttigieg? Pete Navarro? Who the fuck are you talking about? Pelosi or any number of public figures. It all depends on the diet that the media feeds you. JFK fucked 17-year-old girls in the White House bedroom. But you would never have known that at the time because the media wouldn't report it. That kind of tarnishes my recollection of Walter Cronkite. JFK was with 17-year-old girls in the White House? I've never seen any proof of that. Mark, it's all well and good to say that, but you got to have some fucking proof. We're going to have a good conversation. The media has its agenda, and that agenda may or may not accurately reflect the personality they're focused on. It kind of blows me away that you suffer from Trump derangement system, uh, syndrome, as I would have thought that I would have thought that of you with your self-declared rationality. You would recognize that an overwhelmingly overwhelming diet of negative, negative, negative news would have an impact on you. You don't have to like Trump, but at least recognize that the picture you have of him is not factual or accurate. He didn't dump the fish food in his photo op with Modi in Japan because as CNN, he's talking about the president that threw up on the Japanese guy. Who was that? Was that Bush? Yeah, it was Bush. First Bush, as CNN put it, he hates the environment. He dumped it because Modi did it first. The incident alone should tell you the agenda that the media and has has towards Trump. All the best with your podcast, 
Mark. Okay, Mark. I'm I'm not going to respond about you personally, because we'll have our opportunity to uh, bump heads when you come on the show, assuming you actually come on the show. And I only say that because I don't know anything about you, but my past experience with Trump humpers, and, and and frankly, that's what you are here. You're trying to act like you're not, but that's what Trump humpers do. Um, they they don't usually show up. Brian Wallenberg showed up, and I appreciate that from him. But we'll see if you show up in a week or so, and 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 we can do a show. But I'm afraid what you're saying here is that uh, Trump isn't a bad guy; that the media just made him out to be a bad guy. But then you tell us you don't believe the media. Which is it? You don't believe the media or the media is is making Trump to be a bad guy? So if we can't believe the media, does that suggest that Trump is a good guy? Well, no, he's not. Media aside, he's broken laws. He's lied to the public. He's obstructed justice numerous times. He stole top secret documents. We watched him on TV incite a riot, a coup. I don't have have to have the media tell me what he did when I actually see the motherfucker doing it and hear the motherfucker saying it. We're going to have a good conversation, Mark, because you like to spew a little rhetoric, as Trump LaFucks tend to do. But you're going to need some facts to back this up. And at the same time, I'm going to need facts to back up what I say. But guess what? I have it. The facts are there. Don't tell me Donald Trump's a good guy just because, and it's just the media that's making him out to be a bad guy. Media aside, Donald Trump is a fucking criminal. Donald Trump is a liar. He is a narcissist, sociopathic, pathological liar. I can show you how he is each of those things in numerous ways. There are tons of examples of it. The fact that you can't see it is not my problem. The fact that you can't see it is what perpetuates these people being in office. At some point, you got to wake up. you got to use your intellect. Every 122 points of your IQ, you got to look at it and take some facts instead of bullshit. The Republican Party is based on bullshit. Now, I will agree with you. The Democratic Party up till 2016 wasn't much better than the Republicans. But the Republican Party is a fucking dumpster fire. All you have to do is turn on the television and watch Herschel Walker talk for 10 seconds. All you have to do is read the 14 pages of bullshit that Donald Trump wrote after he was subpoenaed by the January 6th committee. Now, you're a reasonable mind. You can read that 14-page letter or listen to Herschel Walker, and you should be able to discern what the facts are. You aren't being guided by the media in that case because you're seeing it in real fucking time by the hand of Donald Trump or from the voice of Herschel Walker. The media didn't slant that. The media just played it for you. At some point, you've got to be able to look at shit and figure shit out for yourself. I don't trust the media to tell me the facts. What I do is I get the stories and then I dig out the facts from any number of fucking sources. I check, I recheck, and I recheck again. And if it doesn't sound right, I don't talk about it. 
anything I say about Donald Trump, I will back up completely. And if you come on the show, be ready for that because I won't back down and I won't be like your typical liberal or Democrat because I'm not. I'm not going to let you roll over the top of me with bullshit rhetoric. You're going to have to have some facts. And if you're ready to do that, well, come on on the show. (laughs) But if you don't have the facts and you just want to spew bullshit and rhetoric, well, come on at your own peril. (laughs) Now he probably won't come on. But we'll see. I have a feeling the likelihood that he will come on will be the same likelihood that Donald Trump will actually testify in front of the J6 committee. And I know he's going to say, well, you said you were going to comment about me. I'm sorry, I can't help it because you say some stupid shit. You're making suppositions and you're making statements and rhetoric that make no sense. Somebody's got to call that out. You don't get the opportunity to spew stuff and stuff and try to carry the narrative. That's what the Republicans have fucking done for six years, 10 years, 20 years, whatever. It's not going to happen here. I don't care how smart you think you are or what you think you know. If you're right, you're right. And I will own up to it. But if you're wrong, I'll fight you to the end to prove you are wrong. So, as I say, you can come on the show if you want, and I will treat you fairly. If you wonder how I treat a Trumple fuck on this show, go back and listen to the uh, show that's titled Boomer v. Trumplican. This guy was dumb as fuck, but I gave him respect. I gave him time to talk. He didn't do well because there was no way he was going to do well. He didn't know what he was talking about. He just spewed shit that he felt or he thought or he wanted. There was no basis in fact. So I'm telling you this, Mark. Come on the show. I'm glad to butt heads and debate with you, but you better have some facts to back it up or this is not going to be a fucking good day for you. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Now, I've said that uh, because it's the weekend, we tend to rehash some things, but I think this next story is worth talking about again. I talked about it on TikTok. I believe I talked about it on the last podcast, but let's just reiterate this. What we need to understand is that the FBI and intelligence groups knew about the J-6 threats, even though they said they didn't. J-6 happened. We had the insurrection. The FBI is being asked, why didn't you do anything? And they said, well, we had no intel. Now, days after the January 6, 2021 assault on the U.S. Capitol, Stephen D'Antuono, the head of FBI's Washington field office said the FBI had no intelligence that suggested there would be anything that day but a lawful pro-Trump rally. Six months later, FBI Director Christopher Wray reiterated that claim when he told Congress that the agency he leads had no specific intelligence indicating that hundreds and hundreds of people were going to breach the Capitol complex. Now, that said... 
At Thursday's hearing of the House January 6th committee, Representative Adam Schiff said that there was evidence that President Trump was aware of the risk of violence and that the FBI, the U.S. Capitol Police, the Metropolitan Police, and all other agencies all gathered and disseminated intelligence suggesting the possibility of violence at the Capitol prior to the riot. And this is very troubling. We have people that are hired and paid to protect the Capitol, the people in the Capitol, the people around the Capitol. They knew about potential violence, but they did nothing about it. They even lied about it when asked about it, including the FBI Director Christopher Wray. Well, that is troubling. Now, of course, Christopher Wray is the FBI head under Joe Biden, but he was also the FBI head uh, director under Donald Trump. Why he hasn't been gotten out of there, I don't know. But the the uh, the cancer that is Donald Trump has metastasized throughout our government. We know this. We know that we have a Supreme Court justice, at least one, that is somehow tied by way of his wife to the insurrectionists. That's troubling. We know the FBI knew about the insurrection weeks before the insurrection, but did nothing. Same goes for the uh, Capitol Police. Same goes for anybody that was meant to protect the Capitol. Now, the thing about it is, is, is we kept hearing Donald Trump and Kevin McCarthy and all these people say, well, it was Nancy Pelosi's job. Why did she hold back the, uh, the, 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 the National Guard? Well, that's an absolutely ridiculous statement. Why would she hold back the National Guard so she could put her life at risk? These people wanted to kill Nancy Pelosi, and it was a serious threat. So now you want to blame Nancy Pelosi for the attack on the Capitol and getting people to want to kill her? That's absolutely ridiculous. And, of course, in the J6 hearing, we saw Nancy Pelosi on the phone talking to any numbers of people, threatening to punch Donald Trump out. I would give big money to see that motherfucker get his ass punched out by an 80-year-old woman, and I have no doubt that she could do it. But this is how the Republicans do it. They lie they gaslight and that's fine we know what they do but we still have people in the supreme court in the fbi in congress that are still part of the cancer that was once donald trump now he's been cut out but it's spread all over in our government We've got a lot of things to fix, but you would think that would be the primary thing that we have to focus on. We can't let that cancer stay there, otherwise it will grow from that point. And we'll have another such incident like January 6th, except this time maybe somebody smarter will be running it and it will actually be successful. Once we get through this midterm and once we get some of these investigations out of the way, we need to put the pressure on Joe Biden and Merrick Garland because those are the fuckers that are in charge now. They still have agents of the enemy in their midst. We have them in Congress. We have them in the FBI. We have them in the Supreme Court. That's all three fucking branches. And even in the military, 
I don't know, you know, as much as they wanted to blame Nancy Pelosi, the real blame goes to Michael Flynn's brother, who we're now finding out and we suspected was in the Pentagon. The Pentagon controls the National Guard in Washington, D.C. It's a different situation than most states. And the person making the call on the National Guard was Michael Flynn's brother. Well, we know Mike Flynn is a conspiracy theorist nut. His brother is much the same. They were pro-Trump. They were pro-insurrection. So I'm sure Donald Trump said to Mike's brother, listen, hold him back for a while. Let's let this thing play out. Maybe I'll get to be president again. And that's what Michael Flynn's brother did. And now that's being exposed. The problem is, is some of these people that were involved in one of the greatest attempts to take over this country in our history are still in place. They still have fucking jobs in our government. And that is dangerous and fucking appalling. This is something we need to root out and eradicate from our country. If we have hopes of getting better and avoiding a thing like we saw on January 6th of 2021, that's the only thing we can do. There's more and more information coming out about how people in our own government were working against this government to overthrow the government, undermine democracy, and overturn an election. There should be no question what happens to these people. These people should be gone and out of government and then prosecuted for their crimes, and then punished to the full extent of the law. That's what needs to be happening. I don't care who they fucking are, a former general or a clerk in the Supreme Court. If you were involved in January 6th, you need to be gone and you need to be prosecuted. Well, we know, of course, the January 6th committee had their hearing And it was a good one, as we expected. A lot of it came out. A lot was exposed. They exposed the fact that Donald Trump, the Republicans, the Trump administration, premeditated every one of these things that happened leading up to and after the January 6th insurrection. You know, we're talking about the uh, fake electors. We're talking about the phone calls. We're talking about the pressure. We're talking about the state legislators who were working against Um, the election and the Constitution and trying to get it overturned. This was all pre-planned, and that is troubling. Now, after the January 6th committee voted to subpoena Donald Trump, it wasn't long before the former president responded with a trio of missives on his social media platform, none of which addressed whether the Republican would honor the congressional summons. Yeah, he went on a rant, but he didn't say if he would testify. And let's be honest here. He will say he's going to testify, but he will never testify. One of the items, um, he did try to sell a familiar lie. Trump said the panel hasn't examined the massive voter fraud which took place during the 2020 presidential election. Well, no, they haven't because there is none. Sixty different courts couldn't find any and decided not to allow the cases to go through. See, Donald Trump's of a mind where if he just keeps saying the same shit over, eventually it will stick. Well, he's done that to a fault, and nobody believes fucking anything that he says right at this point. 
The question remained, what he what did he intend to do about the subpoena vote? Now, this morning, the former president released a deeply odd, big surprise, 14-page letter. He actually released it yesterday morning to the House Select Committee. The first sentence <laughs> read, the presidential election of 2020 was rigged and stolen. And that was all caps. <laughs> Means Donald Trump was screaming. Now, in reality, the election was neither rigged or stolen. We know this because it's been checked and rechecked and recounted and fucking pro- and litigated and all this stuff, and nobody found anything. Even Trump, of course, knows he lost, and this meandering letter did not improve after the unfortunate opening. And uh, here's a section of that letter. Despite very poor television ratings, the unselect committee has perpetuated a show trial the likes of which this country has never seen before. It's always like we've never seen before. There is no due process, no cross-examination, no real Republican members, and no legitimacy since you do not talk about election fraud or not calling up the troops. It is a witch hunt of the highest level, a continuation of what has been going on for years. No due process, no cross-examination. Well, let's understand why there's no cross-examination it's because Mitch or Kevin McCarthy was given the opportunity to have a 9-11 type uh, hearing where there would be five Republicans and five Democrats. And they said, no, nah, we're not going to do that. And why did they do that? Because Donald Trump just wanted to keep it quiet, didn't even want to talk about it. He didn't consider the fact that uh, the Democrats would say, well, we'll just do the hearing on our own. And even then, even then, Nancy Pelosi says, if you want to put a couple people on the uh, the committee, let me know who they are, and we can approve some or we can not approve some. Well, of course, they wanted to send people that were probably some of the culprits, people like Jim Jordan, who was involved in the insurrection, and she didn't want him on the uh, committee. Why would she? Why would you let the wolf into the chicken house? That's what would have happened. Jim Jordan has never accomplished anything as a uh, representative in the House of Representatives. He's never offered a bill. He's never done jack shit. He is a shit stirrer. He's a loudmouth. He's trying to talk over to people. So, no, you don't want him on the committee. But she did say, well, we'll take this guy and that guy. And he says, nope, if you're not taking them all, you're not getting any. And they walked away and pouted. So what they were left with was no Republicans. But then Kinzinger and Cheney stepped up and says, we'd like to be there. And since they're of a reasonable mind, of course, Pelosi and Benny Thompson said, sure, we'll do that. In fact, they made Liz Cheney a co-chair. Now, they're trying to tell us that Liz Cheney and Kinzinger aren't real Republicans. I beg to differ. They resemble the Republicans we've known all along. It's the people on the other side that follow Donald Trump that bear no resemblance to the Republican Party. I don't know what you want to call those fucks other than trump fucks, but they ain't Republicans. They ain't conservatives. <clears throat> I mean, how many times have you seen a conservative add $7 trillion to the fucking budget? Now, that's what Donald Trump did. That's not a conservative. So... Donald Trump is bitching and whining. We know there is no evidence of election fraud. 
that's nothing. No real Republicans. Actually, the only two real Republicans are on the committee, so that's nothing. He says the same things. He says, it's a witch hunt. It's um, a show trial, likes of which the country has never seen before. He loves that phrasing. He loves that sentence. He uses it for everything, like the country has never seen before. This man is not the smartest man in the world. He's actually quite dumb, and he's quite inarticulate because he uses the same phrases over and over, and he thinks it's emphasizing what he says, but what he's doing really is making himself look stupid. So Donald Trump does what he does. He writes this long, meandering, bullshit letter that says nothing, that means nothing, because he thinks he's smart enough to steal the thunder or take the narrative away from the Democrats. Unfortunately, that's not working anymore. He's not in the same position he was once in, where he was president and had power. He's just a dumb fuck sitting in Mar-a-Lago waiting for indictments. That's all he is. He's not powerful anymore. He's not going to testify, because if he did, that would be stupid. And quite frankly, the January 6th committee doesn't care if he testifies. They did it, as I said before, to fuck with his head, to taunt him. Oh, you're a tough guy? Come testify. And he will back out or try to make some excuse why he won't, because the Democrats are doing everything wrong. That's what he'll try to say. But who gives a fuck? Here's what you have to understand about the J6 committee, and I think some people forget about. The J6 committee isn't a legal trial. When it's all said and done, there will be no indictments or anything issued by the January 6th committee. They can't do that. The whole point the January 6th committee is there is to expose the information, to show the evidence, to hear the witnesses. And then at that point, you have to decide, the DOJ has to decide, will we put out indictments based on what we've seen? And they won't do it just on what the January 6th committee's done. They will want the evidence from the January 6th committee. They will investigate it, and then they will issue subpoenas, and they will issue indictments. So the J6 committee is just here to get the information out, and they are doing a fabulous job doing that. To think anything else will happen, it's not going to happen. If Donald Trump doesn't show up for the subpoena, he's not going to be indicted for that. Because the DOJ has bigger fish to fry with Donald Trump. They aren't going to fuck around with not complying to a subpoena, unless they have to. They'll keep that in their back pocket. If they can't get him on anything else, they'll get him on that. But there's no way he's getting out of what he's already done. It's so blatant, it's so egregious, and it's black and white. The evidence and the witnesses are there. He's going to get indictments. And I say multiple indictments from Georgia, from New York. It's all going to happen. And Donald Trump can spew whatever bullshit he wants to spew, but it ain't going to work. His time has passed. He's slowly spiraling out of control, soon to crash. Now, let's talk about crashing and burning. This apparently is debate season. (laughs) And the funny thing about political debates, typically they're pretty fucking boring. But it turns out we had a couple of debates that were pretty comical. Literally, we had people in the audience 
literally laughing at candidates. First of all, Republican Senator Ron Johnson repeatedly faced laughter and boos from the audience that gathered at Marquette University on Thursday for the final debate between the two GOP incumbent and Democratic uh, challenger Mandela Barnes in Wisconsin's key U.S. Senate race. Now, Johnson kept spewing how he was a businessman. He knew how to hire people. He created jobs. He signed a payroll check. Mandela Barnes doesn't know anything about that. I'm the guy. I'm the one with the experience. (laughs) But then Mandela Barnes pointed out that the only thing he did to build his business, meaning Ron Johnson, was say I do. (laughs) The fuck does he mean by that? Well, because apparently the only reason Ron Johnson has a successful business is because it was handed to him by his fucking father-in-law. He didn't build a business. He married the right woman who had a dad that was wealthy and had a business. He took it over. Now he's taking a lot of credit for it that's not deserved. (laughs) In fact, uh, Mandela Barnes at one point said uh, he takes a lot of credit for his (laughs) business-in-law. And that got a huge bit of laughter. People were laughing at Ron Johnson. And that's really really appropriate because he is a laughable fuck. Barnes also said that Ron Johnson was interviewed by the FBI because they were concerned that he was becoming a Russian asset. Not saying he was a traitor necessarily, but because of who he is and as dumb as he is, that he's becoming a Russian asset. And that is true. He was interviewed uh, and investigated by the FBI because they were afraid of that. Now, of course, this embarrassed Ron Johnson. It made him nervous. He stuttered and stammered and said something uh, about, uh, well, the FBI is corrupt and I've just been looking into it. (laughs) So he's trying to switch this around. They weren't really talking to me about being a Russian asset. I was investigating them because they're corrupt. And of course, the audience laughed out loud again. They talked about Medicare. They talked about Social Security and how he wants to get rid of it. There were a lot of boos for that. This was a much different debate than we've seen in previous elections because Ron Johnson, like all the Republicans, is a fucking joke. He's trying to spew things that make no sense, that the vast majority of the public don't agree with or don't believe because he's a flat-out fucking liar. Like when he was talking about uh, the insurrection and the fake electors, he said, uh, yeah, I wasn't involved in that. But he did talk to the guy on the phone. He got some envelope or something like that. And then the um, vice president's office says, yeah, we're not taking anything from anybody. So he says, so you see, I was only involved in this with ten, for 10 seconds. But what he didn't realize, he was saying, I was only involved in 10 seconds for 10 seconds or 20 seconds or two minutes, whatever it was. But he was involved. It doesn't matter when you're talking about treason, uh, whether you're involved for 10 seconds or 10 years. It's just as bad. And he's too stupid to understand that. (laughs) And we talk about stupid. You can't talk about stupid without talking about the stupid in chief. Talking about Herschel Walker. Now, Herschel Walker 
made a fool of himself in this debate. He lied. He was a joke. He did stupid things. But this kid, this guy has so little personal awareness, he didn't have, have the ability to be embarrassed by his own stupidity. Now, Raphael Warnock talked about Walker lying about being in law enforcement. I mean, it's been proven beyond a shadow of doubt. They've gone to the FBI. They've gone to the police. Is Herschel Walker or was Herschel Walker ever in law enforcement? And all of them have flat out said, no, he hasn't. (laughs) So he hasn't. But then what does Herschel Walker do? He pulls out a Dollar Tree badge to prove he's in law enforcement. People just laughed at this guy because it's a joke. We know he wasn't in law enforcement, but still he has the audacity to pull out his badge. Now, he was rebuked by the moderator because they had agreed before the uh, debate that there would be no props brought on stage. And she kept telling him, put it away, put it out. And he wouldn't do it. So she kept rebuking him, kept telling him to put it away. And all this time, of course, the audience is laughing because it's absolutely ridiculous. But then I got thinking about it. I thought, he says he's in law enforcement. My God, he's got a Dollar Tree badge. Maybe he is. And then I remembered that he used to play football for the Georgia Bulldogs. So maybe, just maybe... (laughs) Herschel Walker actually is Deputy Fucking Dog. Remember Deputy Dog from back in the day? Jesus Christ. The the guy is an absolute joke. But it didn't stop there. Warnock asked Herschel why he was against the Inflation Reduction Act and thereby being against putting a cap on the cost of insulin because insulin is expensive. Herschel came back and said, we don't need insulation, insulin caps. We just need people to eat, eat right. <laughs> so Herschel basically discovered the cure for diabetes. All we need to do is eat right. We don't even need insulin. We don't need a cap on insulin. And besides, with the high price of gas and the high price of food, People can't eat right because they can't afford food. They can't drive to get the insulin because gas is so expensive. He literally used that as an argument. That is immature. It's stupid. And it's almost insulting to have to listen to that bullshit. Now, after those two barn busters of debate, you think, oh, that's got to be it. There can't be another one like it. Oh, no. There's another debate tonight. And this is going to be a good one. Marjorie Taylor Greene is going to debate her opponent, Marcus Flowers. Now, I don't know if you've seen anything about Marcus Flowers. He's a former veteran, or he's a veteran, a very sharp, very intelligent man. And he's going to debate Marjorie Taylor Greene, who is a uh, shit show Neanderthal. And she's all about Q, all about um, conspiracy theories and all that stuff. This fucking debate is going to be good. This shit should be on pay-per-view because it's going to be fucking entertaining. I can't wait to hear some of the quotes from that debate. That's going to have to be outstanding. Out-fucking-standing. 
All right, a um, couple of things here. Oh, here's one I'm looking forward to. You know who Republican uh, Chuck Senator Chuck Grassley is? He's that old corpse in the Senate. He's the one that was going to pick up the slack when they got Pence out of the way on January 6th. Yeah, he thought he'd step in and take control in uh, in instead of... Uh, Pence, when they got him into the Secret Service car and took off out of there, they were going to still have to do the electoral count, and then he was going to put his two cents in and try to help the Republicans overthrow it. Yeah, this guy's a great guy. Give you an idea how old this motherfucker is. He's been an Iowa lawmaker since 1959. 50 fucking nine. I was born in 1960, and I'm 62 years old. Here's a motherfucker that's been there too long, and he's too old to know what the fuck he's doing. But he appears to be in a tight battle now for political survival as he seeks his eighth term in the U.S. Senate. Eighth term in the Senate. Each term is six years, so he's been 42 years in the Senate. He probably spent another 15 years in the House or whatever, but 42 years in the Senate, and he's looking to go for 48. This motherfucker's 89 years old. We're talking about Joe Biden being too old at 80 or 82. This fucking idiot's been there since 89. Now, on Saturday night, the Des Moines Register released it, it's its latest Mediacom Iowa poll showing Grassley only leading retired Admiral Mike Franken by three points, 46 to 43. That's within the margin of error. <clears throat> the poll conducted by pollster J.N. Selzer has often been called the gold standard of Iowa polling. Now, Selzer told the newspaper, the poll says to me that Franken is running a competent campaign and has a shot to defeat the seemingly invincible Chuck Grassley, previously perceived to be invincible. So for 42 years, he's been in the Senate. I don't think he's ever had any competition in his runs for his Senate seat. He's been there for, what, seven straight uh, terms, 42 years, and he's going for 48. He's never really had any competition. All of a sudden, now he's got some fucking competition, and it's about goddamn time. Grassley is 89. He was first elected to the Iowa House of Representatives, so he was a state legislator at first in the 1958 midterm election. 58? Fuck! Two years before I was born, he served eight terms in the legislature, then three terms in the U.S. House of Representatives, before first being elected to the U.S. Senate when he shared the ballot with Ronald Reagan in fucking 1980. Here's a guy that has turned being a politician into a career, a pretty profitable career, I'm guessing, too. I'm thinking he's worth a lot of money, but he's 89 years old. I've seen him on stage. I've seen him in speeches. He's not all there. He's not catching on to anything. At the very least, he's not in touch with his constituents, unless he's, all of his constituents are in their 80s or 90s. Then he's right on track, but I don't think that's the case. He's never had any competition up until now. 
And now this admiral is like three points away from him. And I'm sure um, Grassley's getting a little nervous. But he's done his time. I mean, fuck, step aside. You're 89 years old. You're running for the Senate. That means... That means you'll be 95 years old if you run out your term. When is it too fucking old? When are you too old? I've said this before. I think we need to set a limit on politicians at 70. And yes, I know I'm 62. I don't know where I'll be at 70, but I won't be as good as I am at 62 or 52 or 42. There's got to be a limit where you just can't run anymore because you can't be effective. You're out of touch with your constituents. Stop this shit. Let's kick this fucker out of the Senate and let him go sit in an old folks home someplace and and, and talk about the glory days because we don't need you in the fucking Senate anymore. So if you're in Iowa and uh, you're going to vote for Grassley, what the fuck are you thinking? Really, honestly, what the fuck are you thinking? Whether he's a Republican, whether he supports insurrection, the motherfucker is 89 years old. Jesus Christ, you can do better than that. All right, we are going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. I got my fingers crossed that Mark will be on the show when I get back after Thursday. Um... I hope um, that Chris or Christian uh, is okay with the way this show went. I didn't read too much. Um, And again, I'll open the invitation to him. If he wants to be on the show, give me what for or, or give us some insights. I'm all for it. I honestly believe that everyone in this audience, whether they agree with me or disagree with me, have some valuable information to give all of us. As much as I do this show, there's plenty I can learn. I learn every day, and thankfully, I have a a hunger to learn. So if you have something you can give me that teaches me something, I want to hear it. And I will tell you, everybody I talk to on this show, everybody that's been a guest, teaches me something. Every time I talk to Ed... I learn new things. Every time I talk to a listener, I learn new things. So I'm always open for it. And Christian, I'm not going to tell you to fuck off. I appreciate the fact that you listen. I appreciate the criticism. I don't agree with you, but, you know, that's cool. Come on the show. Let's talk. I won't give you a hard time. I think we're of the same mindset. I think we're thinking on the same level. Let's just talk about it. Give me some insights that I don't know, because I'm thinking you can probably do that. Now, Mark, we're on the opposite ends of the spectrum, but that will make for a good show, and you'll have your opportunity to put me in my place if you can do that. So we'll be looking forward to that. That said, I got to get going. I'm headed to Vermont. I'll talk to you when I'm there. You have a great day, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.